Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. Hey, you there. Hey, you there. Hey, you there. The Israeli looking for an affordable trip to Thailand? Well, I'm world heavyweight champion, retired Kevin Moneric. And when it comes to flying to Thailand, I'm the world champion at that, too. You see, I just take my iron claw hand here in my finger, and I go to the Archaea website, and I can punch in $349 for a one-way trip to Thailand. Can you beat that? No way. That's a great deal. Take your iron claw hand and your finger and go punch into that dark Archaea website. You'll see. So that's the price of a victory. So mix me up that banana lottie, that sweet banana lottie, the way I like it. Oh, so sweet, like heaven's rainbows, because I'm coming to Thailand. Start my music. Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, A.J. Orsini. How the hell is everybody out there? This is your boy. This is your main man, your job's old brother from another mother. I am your host of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. This is A.J. Orsini, and as you can tell by the opening of this here show, uh, I did a cold open again. Uh, If you're new to the show, if you've been around for the last, I don't know, 20 episodes or so, then the beginning of this episode probably threw you for a loop. So when I started the show, and for a, a long while after I've started, I used to do these little cold opens. I used to do these little things, you know, that would either be funny or, you know, uh, important to the theme of the entire show, whatever the case may be. But uh, I haven't done a cold open in a while. And the reason why I haven't done a cold open is because when I got on all these other platforms, iTunes and Spotify and stuff, I was worried about, you know, copyright stuff, so I was just trying to keep the show more based on my original material, Uh, but someone brought up a good point to me the other day, someone who listens to the show, uh, they like the cold opens, I I like them too when I used to do them, and I actually miss doing them, and I've uh, I've voiced that to a few people along the way, and they said, well, you know, when I listen to the episode, you play shit anyway, you play clips, you play audio, you're, you're playing a bunch of shit anyway, why not just go with the cold open? And uh, and I agree. So I'm gonna I'm bringing them back. I'm gonna do the cold opens again, and I'm gonna keep doing them until I guess someone says that I can't anymore, and we'll just worry about that when it comes to. Uh, but I'm back here, and we are here bequeathing onto all of you episode seventy. Now this is a very good example as to why I don't do certain things. I have a long lineup coming up for the month of January, of a lot of different interviews and people that I'll be speaking to and some I've already spoken to. And I had a, an interview lined up to do for today, and that person canceled on me. Not canceled completely, we've rescheduled. But that is why I don't announce people ahead of time, because <laughs> I don't want the, the the added frustration of trying to keep up with stuff like that. So... Um, I am here alone, solo, for today. This might be the last time in a while that I am, because I got a lot of shit coming down the pike. You guys are going to be really happy, I think, with some of the stuff that I got coming down the pike. But uh, tonight, it's just me. 
solo a la mode once again riding dolo here and what what a time i'm actually i'm, I'm actually secretly happy about this because there is a ton of shit going on in the wrestling world right now the pro wrestling world's on fire there's a lot going on in the world of pro wrestling and, uh, and a lot to discuss i'm going to start off uh with a nice cute little story it's a very short one i promise you I got to tell you what happened with me and my son. If you don't follow my social media, uh, shame on you. You click one of the links below. It'll take you to the social media. But I, I made up a post the other day. Uh, my son, who is three, who will be four next month, uh, he's not huge on wrestling. Uh, he's seen some things. Obviously, WrestleMania is a big deal in my house, so he partakes in that. I think he likes the size and the grandeur of WrestleMania. You know, the, the, the big stadium, the loud noises, you know, the, the flashing lights. Like, I think he likes all that cool shit for Mania. But for the most part, it's not like he's sitting next to me. He watches Raw. He watches SmackDown. I haven't really had a chance to have that father-son moment uh, when it comes to me, my son, and, and my greatest passion in the world, pro wrestling. Um, he's actually not that big a fan, to be honest with you. Uh, but I had something on the other day. We're, we're trying to get him to... Not that he doesn't feed himself. He's just lazy as fuck. He doesn't really like to feed himself. So what happens is is we, we had to cut ties with all that stuff, and we're getting him to feed himself. But just so he doesn't, so he doesn't fall out of the loop, we, we all eat together now. I told you guys I have this new dining set in my apartment, so we're eating at a dinner at a table like, I don't know, like people. I don't know. I've never really done that in my life. I don't really eat at table. I don't do the whole table deal where we sit at the table and, and eat as a family. It's... It's taking some getting used to. It's getting weird. It's weird. It's not getting weird. It's always been weird. But, you know, hopefully with, with more time it will be normalized here. But I sat next to him and, of course, this happened to be, I think, the day after Wrestle Kingdom. So, obviously, I'm trying to kill two birds with one stone. I'm trying to be a father and be a fan. So, I'm sitting next to him. We're eating dinner together. But I've got the laptop in front of me and I'm I'm watching Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't. Uh, I can't sit through those whole shows. It's just too long. But I, I did manage to sit through a lot of the matches that I really wanted to see, and one of which I put on was uh, Ibushi versus Osprey, and I and I had that match on, and right from the entrance, my son, I, I don't know what it was that caught his eye, but he he just started watching, and he sat next to me. He he was still eating, but he was watching, and he's watching. He watched that match bell to bell. And he's never sat next to me and watched a match bell to bell. He would ask questions. He's pointing out the moves. It, this was the moment. And it kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't prepped. You know, usually as the dad, you get yourself all hyped up. You sit the kid down and wait for his response. This was a lot more organic. He just kind of sat next to me. And he started watching it. And that was it. He was he just, he just was watching wrestling. And he was getting into it. And I guess because he likes some of the flashy moves. It's Ibushi and Osprey. So it's a lot of flippy stuff. And he was getting into it. He was getting into it. So accidentally, or I don't know how you want to phrase that, but my first real father-son wrestling moment was not with the WWE. It was with New Japan. Ironically enough, as many times as I've gone on the show and said I'm not much of a New Japan guy, my first fatherly memory when it comes to pro wrestling will be Wrestle Kingdom. I didn't see that coming. And it wasn't just Hasbro Ibushi. We, he watched, um, It was uh, there was three matches he watched with me. He watched Ibushi Osprey. He watched what the hell was the other one we watched? Cody Robinson, Cody and, and Juice, and he watched Kenny and Tanahashi. 
Now, Kenny and Tanahashi, he did not watch from bell to bell. He watched most of it, and then it was time for a bath and stuff like that. It was getting late. I don't know if he would have watched the whole thing had we left in there, but he watched pretty much most of it. So that was very interesting. He liked Cody, which is saying something there. I wanted him to see the Young Buck match, just to get his opinion on it, because if he liked Osprey and, and Coda, I would have loved to have seen him watch the uh, the Young Buck match, but never got a chance. Maybe I'll get around to it, show him another time. But I was just stunned by this, that he was just so into it, and he, he was way more into Wrestle Kingdom than he ever was any pay-per-view that I put on for the WWE. I put on pay-per-views all the time. He barely, forget sits next to me, he barely puts his eye on the TV at all. There's a few performers in WWE he likes. Uh, he's he's obviously a big Daniel Bryan guy, or at least he was before the Yes Movement died. Uh, a death. He's a, he's a Shinsuke guy. He likes Shinsuke. And it's not just the entrance. He likes Shinsuke for everything. The mannerisms, the the, the stupid little shaking he does. He, he digs all that stuff. You know, those are like two guys that I know for sure that he's really big on. Daniel Bryan and, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Now that I think about it, Shinsuke Nakamura, another New Japan guy. I think my son's very New Japan. <laughs> my wife gave birth to a New Japan fan. What the fuck? The betrayal. It's deep. It cuts deep. Anywho, that's just some of the uh, quick stuff that happened here at the house. Uh, my son is now apparently a, a New Japan fan. How about that? I'm not a New Japan guy, but my son is a New Japan guy. How about that? That is called irony. One of the other topics I wanted to talk about here tonight. Uh, I, I, I was going to bring this up. It was actually going to be a big part of what I was going to discuss today. It won't be. I will bring it up because I wanted to clarify some things, some things that were said, and I feel like people kind of took it and ran in a different direction here. But I want to bring up the tampon spot. I can't believe I actually said those words out loud, but let's let's get into this. Let's digress a little bit. So for those of you who do not know, I don't know what promotion it was. I didn't bother to look it up. I don't really care. Because no one's really talking about it. All they're talking about is the spot, so I don't really know. But a promotion took place where Priscilla Kelly had an opponent. And um, for those of you who don't know, Priscilla Kelly has been traveling around as an indie performer. She was in the Mae Young Classic. She's doing some things. She's talented. That was the point I'm trying to make when I say this. So for those of you who did not hear, uh, there was a spot in the match where she had her opponent sitting on a chair. and She backed up a little bit. Did some uh, really loud talking, and then all of a sudden reached deep into her trunks and pulled out what appeared to be a bloody tampon. Then she walks over sullenly and drops the bloody tampon into her mouth and shuts the mouth closed and starts face-mushing her and all this other garbage. And then she kind of saunters back to the ring as everyone tries super hard not to throw up all their expensive concessions. Um... Face value, this is gross. <laughs> At face value, when you first see this, this shit is disgusting. Um, but believe it or not, believe it or not, and I know that I've said this, I, I've been on tangents before about certain styles and certain things that happen in wrestling that I'm not for or whatever. I, it, as many gross things that have happened in wrestling, the spot itself, I'm going to be honest with you, this, it doesn't really bother me as much as most things. I mean... I still think the dick flip is, I actually still think the dick flip is worse than the fucking tampon spot. I really do. Because it's just an outright disrespectful fucking stupid, just shitty thing. 
flipping someone over with the power of your penis. It's just dumb. At least the tampon spot is somewhat realistic. It's gross, but it's realistic, right? If she really hated this bitch and really wanted to disrespect her, putting a bloody tampon in her mouth is a really fast fucking way to do it. It's not really an unrealistic spot. That's kind of why I don't have a problem with it. I, it's just, it's gross, but it's not really, like, it, it, it seems like a logical thing. If these two people really hated each other and you really wanted to disrespect someone, that'd be, that'd be crossing a bit of a line, but it'd be a logical thing to do. Not really a problem with the spot. My problem is, and I wanted to see, this is why I don't like doing shit like this. <laughs> X, go away. I'm recording, you dick. Um... My problem isn't so much the spot. My problem is the fact that it went viral. Now, I know what you're thinking. AJ, it's a bloody tampon spot. People are going to talk about it. But that's the thing. You take the situation for what it was. It was a show in a bar, which, by the way, there's a lot of that happening these days. A lot of promoters booking shows uh, in bars these days. It's becoming the new hot location. Long past are the days of retired veteran halls and and, and high school gymnasiums. Now we're in bars. Anyway, they're at a bar, everyone's drunk, you're trying to get over with the audience, maybe they'll buy some merch, whatever the fucking case, right? You're trying to entertain the audience at its front, it's not like a live event, it's not a TV event, it's a fucking bar, like maybe a few hundred people, maybe like 100, 150 people, maybe. So you're, you know, you have a small intimate crowd, you're doing a bunch of crazy shit, I get it, you want to pop the audience, it's no big deal. Unfortunately, this isn't 1987. Stuff like that used to get by all the time, and you can't do that now because every, no matter how small the show is, everything is for public consumption. You know, you're wrestling in front of maybe a hundred people, but it got seen by millions. And the reason for that is cell phones, technology, everything's going on. So what seemed like a really funny idea at the time, just to do to pop an audience, it comes across like a very disrespectful thing to the business because everyone is talking about it. My problem isn't the spot. I don't have a problem with the spot. As gross as it is, if I'm the promoter, if I'm the booker of that show, no, I don't want a tampon spot, but I can see at least somewhat the logic behind why she did it. You know, she, it's, it's, a, it's a thing with the opponent. She just really wanted to fuck with her and make everyone just feel icky, yada, yada, yada. I get it. Okay, but my problem, again, is is the attention that it gets because what happens now is now it works against you. What was a small, insignificant little thing that you just did to pop an audience now becomes a big deal because once it becomes viral, everyone can see it. And when everyone sits down and sees that this is a, that this is what wrestling is, I said it online the other day, the problem isn't the spot. Wrestling fans understand because they'll say, well, it wasn't real blood. It wasn't a real tampon. It's irrelevant. Newsflash, it's not a real pile driver. Newsflash, it's not a real DDT. The point of the wrestling stuff is the illusion of it. We're trying to give the audience the impression, that suspension of disbelief that what we're doing is real. So when you have someone pull out a tampon from their twat and they put it in somebody's fucking mouth and shiv it around, you're giving the audience a gross visual. You're trying to gross them out. You're trying to give them the impression that it's a real fucking thing. And that's where things get convoluted because, again, once this thing goes viral, people who don't know wrestling, they see wrestling on Twitter and some chicks putting blood clots in another fucking woman's mouth and she's moving shit around, and that's pretty fucking gross. And they're going to sit there and say, what the fuck is this? Is this really what they do in wrestling now? They put bloody tampons in each other. It's not a good look, is my point. 
And the disappointing part about it is when I criticize the dick flip, because that's what everyone comes bringing up. Well, if a guy puts a lollipop in his underwear and puts it in people's mouths, what's the fucking... Here's the thing with, with Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan's a talented performer. He is. He has some talent to him. Pre-dick flip, he was actually a pretty good wrestler. From what I understand, he couldn't get out of his own way. The reason why the bookings kept drying up was because of Joey Ryan, not because of his ability or his marketability. Joey just tends to get in his own way. So now we have the dick flip stuff, and he's getting over in a different way, and now that's pretty much his gimmick, right? He's relying pretty much on the dick stuff. Priscilla Kelly is fucking talented. (laughs) She doesn't fucking need a tampon spot to get over. She's already getting looks. She's already been been used on the big stage. She's already shown the world she's talented as shit. What is the point of a tampon spot? That's the part that got me upset. It wasn't the spot. It was the usage of the spot. Why did you need a tampon spot? You're good. You've got talent. You can do a bunch of shit. I've seen her work. I've seen her work in person. She is talented. She's really good. So that's my problem with that. It's... My, 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 I don't have a problem with the spot. I'm mad that it went viral because now all the people are going to do is paint her with this brush. Like all of a sudden, this is who she is. And this is not who she is. She's a very talented performer. She should be respected as such. But now, <laughs> this is what people are really going to judge her on. And it's just really unfortunate. It really is unfortunate because she's so good. But this is what everyone's going to remember. So, I don't know. It, it, I, I wanted to bring it up just to bring it up and to clarify some things because to be honest with you, I just I made a status about it because when I woke up, the status basically was that I woke up that morning and all I can all I can see is just people defending it or killing it or whatever it is. It's becoming this big discussion point, and I don't understand why. Why does it need to be a discussion point? She did something to pop an audience. People do that shit all the time now. This isn't a once-in-a-while thing anymore. For some people, it's the entire gimmick. They just do these nasty, gross, or stupid, or illogical things just to pop an audience. This is something that everyone does now. Why is this an issue? We have so many other things going on in wrestling right now that we can be discussing That that besides this one thing. Yes, it was gross. I get it. We all should have our one little ugh moment, and then we move on. But it was days of this shit. Just days of it. I mean, it was picked up by ESPN. The New York Post had an article. The New York Post had a, a, a ridiculous argument, or excuse me, a ridiculous article, because it was calling her WWE superstar. She's not a WWE superstar. She did the Mae Young Classic. She's not a she's not a WWE superstar. And everyone kept tagging WWE to it, and then WWE got pissed about it, which now you're... You know, you want to pop an audience and you may have screwed yourself in front of the eyes of one of the biggest companies in the world because the, they're looking at you like, Jesus Christ, like this is what you're doing when you're not around us? Tampon spots? It just wasn't necessary. Let someone else do the fucking tampon spot. Why didn't you come up with it and just give it to somebody else? Someone that needed the rub. You didn't need the rub. You didn't need a tampon spot to get over. You're Priscilla Kelly. You've been over. That's all, that's another part of the puzzle. Everyone keeps chiming in. Well, it worked. She got over. What do you mean she got over? She's been over. You don't get to the May Young Classic not being known. They have to know who you are. They have to like your work. They have to choose you. She was accepted to be in the May Young Classic because she's got talent. 
What do you mean? This oh, she's well, she did it. Now she's over. She's been over. That's the point. This goes against that. This makes her unover with a lot of people, especially those who sign checks. It's just dumb. I don't understand it. I need to move this because it's crinkling. It doesn't make any sense. You didn't need that. You have so much talent to do other things. I just don't understand. If you if you see people with no talent, because that happens a lot in this industry. You know, they call it evolution. It's not evolution. You're just incapable. You take a sport. This is how the sport is played. So whenever you have someone who can't perform it that way, they can only do it another way. They call it evolution. It's not evolution. That's not what evolution is. Evolution is taking the way that it's supposed to be done to the next level. If you do something that's completely different from the way that it's done, then you're not doing it. You're doing something else. So I keep telling people all the time. They say, well, we've evolved as an audience. That kind of stuff is, while gross, it's still freedom of art. That's another one I heard. Freedom of art. Let the artist create their art. Seriously? Let the artist create their art. All right. I'm going to let you rock with that. Only for the simple fact that I've got zero strength and energy to combat it. Let the artist create their art. All right. There you go. So enough on that. Enough with the, the tampon spot. Okay? I was asked to mention that. I mentioned it. That's it. Just wanted to clarify that. Uh, something else happened this week. Down at the old asylum. Down in Nashville, Tennessee. Impact Wrestling returned to its original home. For those of you who are unaware, my history with TNA goes all the way back to show number one, baby. Inside that building, inside the asylum in Nashville, Tennessee, when uh, when TNA first TNA first started, they were doing those Wednesday pay-per-views. That's right, folks. For those of you who don't remember, TNA didn't have a national television show. They didn't have any access to TV yet. They didn't have a TV deal. All they really had was weekly pay-per-view television. And what they would do is they would charge a penny. It'd be a penny pay-per-view. Charge one penny to be on the pay-per-view. And uh, it was weekly. Every Wednesday, um, they would do these Wednesday shows. And they would put, and they would put on amazing shows. The TNA shows from back then were just sick. They were awesome. And, uh, and I have a special place in my heart for that, for that building. See, I got to start turning this stuff off. This is what I'm talking about. Who is this? Who are you? I just received the message. All right. And, uh, oh, oh, this is a good message. <laughs> this is a good message here. Let's, uh, I'll deal with that when I'm done. A nice. Oh, that could end up being a really nice announcement for the show. <gasps> oh, my God. Anywho, I'll, uh, I'll address that a little later. I lost complete track of my, oh, yeah, yeah, the asylum. So for those of you who don't know, yeah, I, I, a lot of my fandom uh, has been WWE, but when TNA first came out, I became a huge TNA mark. Their shows were amazing, and I fell in love with those Wednesday pay-per-views. Not just me, but the authentic Brandon Lewis, my wife. I had a group of friends at that time that we were complete, total TNA uh, uh, TNA marks at that time. We loved it. We watched it every week. Um, that's the reason, by the way, for nostalgia purposes, those shows, those TNA shows back in the day meant so much to me and my family that is the reason why my podcast comes out on wednesday i think i told that story episode one but that's why i have the wednesday schedule as an homage as a tip of the cap so to speak 
to those TNA days back uh, way back when, back when that programming was awesome. I used to love those shows. So anyway, they're back, or they were back this week uh, with a pay-per-view entitled Homecoming. And I'm not going to sit here and do the results and all that stuff. If you get a chance to catch it on the replay, please do. It was an awesome show. As per usual, I, uh, I'm getting hip to these Impact pay-per-views. I can't really sit through the shows too much. But these pay-per-views have been uh, pretty on point the last few times. Bountiful Glory was a dope show. I know the venue wasn't exactly the wasn't aesthetically pleasing, but that's fine. The shows themselves have been great. That's what I don't understand. Impact is now changing to another channel. For those of you who haven't heard, they're going to the Pursuit channel. You can go onto your local cable networking and find out if you have it or not. I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me. I know for a fact I don't. Or actually, my old cable company didn't. I had Optimum before, and they did not. I'm with Spectrum now because I moved, so I have to I have to double-check that. But as of right now, no, I don't believe that I have that. So it's going to be a little harder to see. But I, I keep... It's hard to understand why they keep moving so much, why they keep being dropped. I get it. The ratings are what the ratings are. But, um, you know, the show hasn't really been that bad. I enjoy uh, watching the show from time. I can't sit through the whole show because they've been doing some goofy stuff recently. But for the most part, like even the build up to the pay-per-views, I'll watch them online or YouTube. And um, absolutely, I absolutely have a lot of fun watching these pay-per-views. Not just because my friends are on it, but I, for the most part, like I enjoy the shows. I've been enjoying these these pay-per-views, which I haven't enjoyed impact pay-per-views for a long time i just stopped paying attention to them but much like my status the my status the other day about ring of honor i've been feeling the same way about ring of honor i've watched some shows recently i kind of fell off ring of honor and recently i got to admit and uh i'm falling back in love i'm falling back in love ring of honor i'm falling back in love with impact i'm falling in love with a lot of different promotions now that aren't WWE, and especially one coming up that we're going to talk about very heavily in just a few minutes uh, that has been setting the world ablaze. And uh, the Homecoming show has just been, um, uh, it was an amazing show. And I really, I've been saying it for a while. I, I want a second company to emerge. I want one to emerge. And, you know, Will there be AEW, Impact, New Japan? I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm not even a big New Japan guy. But even if New Japan were to rise up and challenge the way that they've threatened to challenge, I, I, need, I need another option. I grew up with two options. And I've been without an option for 17 years. And to be honest with you, even when, I, and I just said a little while ago that I was a big TNA guy when it first came out, the Wednesday shows and even the Spike TV days, like they were really cooking, they were hot. Even at their hottest, I never truly believed they were a threat, ever. And the first taste I really got of that was the first time I ever entered the Impact Zone. I forgot which pay-per-view it was, uh, but there was, an, there was a TNA pay-per-view that was at Universal Studios. I forgot what the name of it was, but it had this, it had uh, Booker T and Scott Steiner versus the Team 3D for the tag titles. It had a Terra Dome match for the X Division title, and the main event was Sting, Matt Morgan, and Kurt Angle. That I remember. And I remember being in the Impact Zone, and I was just so unimpressed with it. It was like a... I, I, I swear to you, and this is not an exaggeration, like 
it was hard for me to consider them number two because I had been in indie shows that had bigger venues than the Impact Zone. So it was very hard. Like, if you watch it on TV and you watch the pay-per-views, it's very easy to fall into the lull of TNA because of all the action and it's great. But when you, like, go live, it was very, I don't know, it was very just deflating for me because I'm in New York. So whenever they come to New York, they always used New York venues. So it's Hammerstein or it's Manhattan Ballroom. I remember the first time they came to New York, they did a they did Webster Hall, which I went to. And even though that was small, it, it, I get it. You know, they were just trying to get into New York in some way. And it was an easy one. And Webster Hall is not a small place. It's just, you know, it wasn't really much of a wrestling venue. As a matter of fact, if I recall, they never went back. So... Um, it might not have been the best situation for him, but it wasn't until I stepped into the impact zone itself and I went, oh, this is kind of, it was underwhelming. The show was great. I had a lot of fun with the show, but the, the impact zone itself was just very underwhelming. I never really felt like it was a very special place, especially like the way that it was set up because all the fans are in front of the hard cam. There weren't many fans behind it. If anything, I think that was kind of either production or whatever that was. It felt like a stage. It felt like a Broadway event. It was so weird. So I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really, I really... I had a hard time even then considering them number two. And I always, I always just kind of like wanted a number two to show up and do the damn thing because I, I need another option. I just, I need one, and I think we're going to get one. I think we're going to get one coming up very, 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 very soon, as a matter of fact, and let's go ahead and get into that, because there's a few other things I want to talk about, but let's really divulge into that, because there's one thing really tearing up the wrestling world right now, and we need to get into it. I, I've spoken about it here and there. But it's time to give it the attention it deserves. It's time to make it the top news. Uh, let's go ahead and make it the top news story of the uh, of the show. And now back to Action News 5. Our top story tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Yes, well, in this particular case, it would not be a horrifying news story. Uh, this is actually becoming a story that is the opposite of horrifying. It has filled the world with great hope. It has filled the world with great hope. All elite wrestling. We, we've dabbled in this. We, we've talked about all in here on the show. We've talked about Cody and the Young Bucks and their relationship with New Japan. I've divulged somewhat in, in, in some of the goings-ons, but I've always kind of do it slyly. I've always given them the the attention that I felt they deserved, but at the same time, I never really pushed any further than just what they've done. I've never really prognosticated on what they feel they could do or anything like that. I said, hey, like, for instance, the All In Show. I said it straight up, and I will say it again. That All In Show was not booked based on the strength of All In. It wasn't. It was sold out specifically as a fuck you to the WWE. That was it. They had no matches announced. They didn't even have all of their talent announced. It was just a thrown together show that they that they put as a as an effort to try to sell out an arena. That's it. That was the whole plan. That was the whole goal, and they succeeded. Even in a situation where, honest to God, I didn't think they would, but they they succeeded. 
They sold all the tickets out. They filled the building up. It was an amazing time. Everyone cheered and everyone revered them as heroes. And I congratulated them on their success. And for anybody, and even at that time, people just kept asking, okay, it's the chance that the moment that we need to take on the giant, you know, David and Goliath here. Do we finally have our David to tackle Goliath? And I said it then, and I'll say it again because I need to say it again to continue with this story. All In was a success, but All In was a singular show. Anyone with their connections and their resources and their finances who tried hard enough can get at least a moderate, at least a break-even event uh, one time because it was a gigantic fuck you to the WWE. And quite frankly, there's a long list of wrestling fans who would love to give the WWE a gigantic fuck you right back for everything they've been getting from the WWE. And All In worked and capitalized on that market. And I said on the show right after All In, I think that I forgot what episode number it was. I'll look it up. But uh, I know it was called Orsini's All In on All In. And uh, yeah, <laughs> play on words. But the point was, is I, I said it then and I will, I will absolutely say it again. Doing it once is one thing. Doing it continu- continuously is a completely other thing. And I said it then. I said if they were, it's episode 51, all, or she needs all in, on all in. Uh, if they were to do a promotion, if they were going to keep it going, that's where the true test would be. Well, we are about to see them take the true test because AEW is a real thing now. All Elite Wrestling. They've got the logo. They've got the branding. They've got the merch. They are selling already. There's a lot of things going on. With all with uh, with with uh, all elite wrestling, this is becoming a thing. So, I want to start from the very beginning. We're going to talk about this stuff, and I got some notes here for those of you who missed out yesterday. They did a conference. They being Cody, the Young Bucks, all of the elite, uh, some of the talent they've named, a lot of behind the scenes people who were making their debuts with AEW. Uh, they were at the rally. There was a rally across his, uh, in the parking lot, I should say, of the Jacksonville Jaguars football stadium in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, and they were doing their thing. Man, they had pyro. They had smoke machines. It was a real deal situation. So I've got some notes. I've got some points I need to make. We're going to do AEW right here, right now. I'm going to finally give it the time that it deserves. And let's start right at the top here. One of the biggest announcements made right, right at the top of the program here. Uh, for AEW, is there double or nothing pay-per-view? Now, for those of you who did not follow Ring of Honor, after All In took place, they, uh, they being the elite, they had a big show with Ring of Honor. I'm not entirely sure what the name of the show was, but at the end of it, they basically took the time to thank people for All In and talked about how amazing a, per, uh, a show it was and how great the fans were and, and being a part of that. And the crowd started chanting double or nothing. You know, not just all in, but double or nothing, which I'm assuming the third show might be called Let It Ride. I don't know. A lot of casino and poker jargon being thrown around here. But the double or nothing situation came from fans and it was a thing. So now it really is a thing for real. Double or nothing is the name of their pay-per-view. It's the next show for and it's the first official show of AEW. Uh, it's been confirmed for May 25th, 2019. It will be at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Vegas. There's a gamble. Get it? That's where all the uh, 
Double or Nothing would have been the name of the pay-per-view anyway, but it works great being in Las Vegas. It would have worked good in Atlantic City, too, but there it is. Uh, StarCast 2 is happening likely the same weekend. Okay, yeah, so there are a bunch of things taking place that weekend. Uh, AEW announced a second show, which is after Double or Nothing. It will take place in Jacksonville, Florida, and they wanted us to let you know that a large portion of the gate will go towards benefiting victims of gun violence. Uh, that's a big topic down in Florida, obviously, with everything that's been going on, so it's nice of them to do something charitable, <laughs> you know, for the community. So that's a good thing on them. That's two shows already that they're already preparing for, one in Las Vegas, one in Florida, and the first one was in Chicago. So we have one of the questions answered, a question that's been asked for a while now, that if they were going to do a promotion, would they be traveling, would they be... You know, territorial, would they keep to a certain area? No, folks, they're going around the country here. Chicago, now Las Vegas, and then to Jacksonville. They are making their rounds. They're taking towns here. They're making some mileage here on AEW. They're going to have fresh audiences. They're going to, they're working pretty big buildings, too. The first one was, of course, in an arena in Chicago. They're doing the MGM Grand over at Las Vegas. And I'm sorry, but I don't care who they get to ring announce. But if you don't have Michael Buffer doing your main event, then you just wasted all of our time. Uh, another part of the notes here. Let's go down the list. No television deal has been announced at the rally, but apparently, quote, offers are out there. Now, for those of us who have been paying attention and keeping our ears to the ground, ironically enough, TBS, TNT are the ones that they've really been uh, rumored to be tied in with. And, man, would it be beyond crazy if wwe's first real competitive company is on fucking tnt because boy let me tell you my childhood me has a huge fucking boner right now and i say huge because my dick is huge so if i have a boner it's a huge boner a huge huge fucking boner if the competition winds up on fucking tnt that would be crazy. The only thing I don't want them to fucking do, please don't do this. Don't do the 605 garbage, please, or 805, or anything. Pick a regular fucking time, would you please? A regular fucking time would be great. They've already began filming a documentary. A special on AEW will air on HBO Vice. If you don't have HBO, if you don't follow HBO Vice, it's basically a television show on HBO. That basically is just a documentary series. They take articles or they take situations and they do full-on documentaries. And apparently AEW was picked up by HBO. And uh, they announced that, that that's going to be a deal. It's a special. It's going to be on in, 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 on HBO Vice television on HBO. Cody Rhodes and Matt and Nick Jackson will be executive vice presidents. Three bosses... All former workers or current workers, too, at that. That's going to get complicated. We'll talk about that a little later. But that's the official positioning there. Bill Gunn. They put Bill Gunn. <laughs> I guess he's outgrown the Y. He's outgrown Billy. Bill Gunn is a backstage producer. Typically, you have more than one producer. So I, I guess they're naming him in particular because he's a name, but I'm sure there'll be others. Brandy Rose is the chief brand officer. I have no clue what that means for her. Uh, business being bankrolled by Tony Khan, who is the AEW president, whose father is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Fulham Feast, uh, FC. I'm assuming that must be soccer. So the Khan family 
is what's been thrown around, but it looks like Tony, Tony Khan, will be the uh, the, la- the liaison, as it will, from the money man to the vice presidents. So Tony Khan, which we saw a little bit at the press conference, I shared a video of him on social media uh, just addressing some of the things involving the new promotion and what's going on, be going on forward with that. Uh, then we move on to the Brandy Rhodes section of this. Okay, Brandy, Brandy Rhodes announced that there would be a women's division. I actually thought that was a foregone conclusion. I didn't think for once that there wouldn't be. That would be foolish. The women's wrestling right now is as high as it's ever been. Uh, so it would be foolish on their end to not have something to fill that void. But there will be a women's division. As a matter of fact, they made their first talent signing public in Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, most of us will know her on the indie circuit as just Britt Baker, but the doctor thing is for real, legit. She is a dentist for real, which should be great to have backstage. An actual dentist, Britt Baker, uh, actually came out during the press conference and made her uh, presence known amongst the um, amongst the fan base and let them know. And she's super excited about being here. Just previous to Britt coming out, they had made this conversation that male and female talent will be paid equally. That concerns me. Not that females shouldn't be paid. The It's not the male-female part. It's the equally part. We'll get back to that. Let's finish these notes and we'll, we'll pick this stuff apart. Tony Khan claims that the hope is for all talents to gain full-time employment with the company. They're looking to pay you guys to live, boys. So get on, get online and form an orderly one, if you will. There will be a working relationship with China's Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. That was an interesting one. Very interesting one. There was a few guys over there. Uh, I, sh- I shared that as well, trying to keep you guys up to date. I shared some of that as well. They got some nice highlight videos, some matches up on YouTube. OEW, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, if you want to check them out. A lot of great stuff on YouTube with them. You can check out their style and what they do. Apparently, it's a company run by former Dragon Gate member Sima. Uh, ah, like cola. If you don't know what that means, then you better get on fucking YouTube and educate yourself because that's patented Dragon Gate Sima. Uh, it's great that they have that working relationship, especially China, which is always so iffy when it comes to pro wrestling. Uh, but it's nice that a company in the States will open its doors to, a, to something like that. Uh, currently... And this is huge, guys. You ready for this? Currently, AEW will not be working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But that may change following ROH's show with New Japan at Madison Square Garden in April. That is tough. That is tough. All right. Those are your notes from the press conferences. One other thing. That was I noted from the press conference, and that was just an accumulation thing. So there were a lot of appearances by performers. Okay, a lot of a lot of um, appearances from performers. So I wanted to do a quick rundown of the performers that uh, that were there, and um, that are officially on the AEW roster. Obviously, the first ones. To come out, SCU, which would be Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. They are officially AEW contracted performers. Obviously, Cody and the Young Bucks themselves. Uh, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Feinstein, 
uh, of CZW fame and, and Wrestle Pro out here in New York. He got picked up. Joey Janella and Penelope Ford, a nice pickup for them. I already mentioned Britt Baker here. Uh, I have uh, obviously Brandy Rhodes. I don't know if she's going to be a competitor or not, but she is listed here. Obviously, Hangman Page. I don't even know why anyone thought otherwise. Clearly, he was going to be there. Pac was a surprise, though. Not much of a surprise. Like, when he came out, I was like, wow, uh, at least he's back in the States. That's cool. They're all friends. They're all friends. So I kind of got that idea that, all right, it was a a nice surprise, but it wasn't like a huge surprise. So, okay, Pac, Joey Janela, Penelope Ford, MJF, that's to you. Uh, The members of uh, China's OWE that they're going to be looking at, SEMA, obviously, T-Hawk, L. Lindemann, and a very weird, I can't, let me see. I'm Chinese, so I should be able to, nope, I can't say it. Uh, Takehiro Yamamura. Oh, I did do it. Look at that. Pat on the back for me. Now that I'm reading that, that doesn't sound Chinese at all. That sounds extra Japanese. And yes, there is a difference. You racist fucking pricks. And of course, there's one more member of the roster I did not mention. Uh, his name is... Uh, fuck, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, uh, fuck. His name is... Uh, oh, Chris Jericho. Yeah, that's right. Chris Jericho is fucking AEW. Not only is he signed, but he they made sure that everyone was aware he was signed because he recorded his contract signing with Tony Khan. I also shared that on my Instagram. I'm keeping you guys up to date here. If you're not following my social media, then you're not up to date. Be up to date. Learn the cold hard facts of the pro wrestling business by following me on social media. Uh, he recorded his signing. And then he uh, made he made sure everyone fucking knew, and he put it out there for everyone to see. And of course, I had to share it. So those are your notes from uh, AEW. And there's a lot of things that we need to hit on here, uh, and and I don't have much time to do it now, but I, I, I'm 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 timing myself pretty good here. So let's so let's let's get down the list here. So double or nothing. I already talked about this. So we have some concerns. Let's list out the concerns, because there was a lot of people talking yesterday online. I wrote a few of them down, okay, because I wanted to address them. I saw a few people indicating some concerns that they had, so let's talk about it, okay? Can they survive? Let's talk about that. AEW, with all this bluster, all this talk, all this promotion, all these surprises, all these appearances, all of these plans, can AEW legitimately survive in a competitive nature against the WWE? Yes. Yes, they can. They can absolutely survive. The problem is is they have to do it right. They have to pace themselves. They can't put all their eggs into the one basket. Okay, they're already starting off on the right foot. Clearly, they're financially backed. Everything's good on that. They don't have to worry about money, which is usually one of the biggest problems that pro wrestling companies have. They have to worry about financing. Every decision that they make is based off of the idea that they're trying to cut corners and trying to keep some money so they can make it to the next show. That won't be the issue here. Apparently, they've already set aside money for their roster. And it's enough money to where they can sign exclusive contracts. So they're giving, they were very quick to let everyone know our wrestlers are going to be comfortable. They're going to be happy. They're going to be paid. They're going to be well taken care of. Happy wrestlers make for happy fans. So they have money already set aside for budget for the roster for, I'm assuming, 
the other hands as well, ring crew, lighting, the tech, now, the tech guys, the trucks, all that stuff's going to be paid for, taken care of. With that taken care of, that's a, a lot of stress off of a lot of people, not just the boys, but it's going to be stress off of management. It's going to be stress off of uh, uh, people putting these productions together. They can do the TVs or whatever ends up happening with them in the comfort of knowing that they don't have to worry about the bills. The bills are paid for. Their job is to put the best product out there so that they can make money. And if there's anything these three guys have done over the last few years, it's make money. So can they survive? Yes. Now, I said at the end of All In, I kind of would love to see them try. Because All In was a very successful show, but can you do it all the time? All In was literally... That, it was all in. They put all of their own personal finances into that, and they made that happen on their own. And while they do have some money, they're not millionaires like a Tony Khan or the Khan family. They're billionaires. They're billionaires, actually. They don't have that kind of money. So the all-in show kind of was spit and glue. It was basically a Ring of Honor show. Ring of Honor's permit, Ring of Honor's ring, Ring of Honor's lighting, Ring of Honor's pyro, Ring of Honor's staging. It was a Ring of Honor show. They're just was booked by Cody and the Young Bucks. That's it. It would be like if if the Shield wanted to put a promotion, you know, a promotional show together, and they use all of WWE shit. It's basically a WWE show, which is booked by you. That's it. It's the only difference. So that's what All In was. This is not that case. This is a different case. This is funding. They're being funded here. They found themselves the ultimate money mark. That's it. The guy comes in. He just writes the fucking checks. These guys run the wrestling business. And as long as the Confally stays out of their way, they've got a real shot. Now, my next question, a lot of people were saying, well, what if All In truly was a fluke? What if this doesn't work out? What if it does go the other way? What if they plug all this money into all this shit and they end up not getting the TV deal and things go all out of control and, and they're just spending and spending and spending themselves into a hole? Look. There's a very good chance. I'm going to say very good. Let me pull that back. There's a there's an okay chance, 50-50 we'll say at this point, because we don't know what they know. But as far as what we do know as third-party people, there's still a 50-50 chance that could happen. We don't have a TV deal secured, and TV is where the money's at. They want to make money on their return investment? TV deal is a must. Okay, Billionaires don't invest on things that will not make them money. That's not how you become a billionaire. You invest on the opportunity to make a little money back. That's what that is. No one's investing in this company on the passion of pro wrestling. That's not how that works. Okay? So I'm telling you right now, they would not have done this. They would not have uh, put together uh, this kind of product and this, and this brand and all this stuff and invested all this time and this money if they didn't have... Either something already wrapped up or something close. Something on paper. Maybe even a handshake deal. They've got a TV network. They're just not telling us. Because without the network, as we learned many, many times on the WWE Network, when we watched these, these documentaries and many books, if you've been paying attention to pro wrestling, you know. Paul Heyman said it. Eric Bischoff said it. Miss McMahon has said it a bajillion times. Without TV... They're essentially worthless. You can't run a product of that magnitude with that much money on stake without the TV. The TV is essential. That's where your money is. Sponsorship, promotion, getting people to come to the venues, filling up the MGM Grand. That's how you do it. 
TV. They need the TV. That's why I'm telling you. I'm telling you. They already have it done. If it's not done now, that means it's it's probably just sitting around waiting to be finalized. They would not have pulled the trigger on any of this if the deal wasn't fucking done. I have find that very hard to believe. If it is, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. Because you don't invest like that without knowing something for sure. A billionaire would not throw $100 million in something without any evidence at all that he wouldn't make some of that back. So I'm telling you, all in, was it a fluke? Apparently not, because we're leading down a path here. Change of style. Another concern people have. Will the indie shit work on the big stage? Well, history will tell us no. History will tell us that you got to change with the times. I don't know the times, excuse me. You have to change with the audience. When you're doing a performance or you're doing a show for 100, you perform a certain way. When you're doing it for 100,000, possibly even a million, the goal is to entertain as many as possible. And that's why you want to have different style matches. You want to have different personalities, different gimmicks, different storylines. A little bit of something for everybody so you can increase the chance of viewership. That's how the TV wrestling business works. Unfortunately, (laughs) that's not what AEW was promoting itself to be. Obviously, you've got the Young Bucks who wrestle a particular style. You're talking about bringing in these guys from China. Uh, the OWE guys, and if you check out their uh, YouTube channel, you'll see a bunch of guys who work a pretty ridiculous style. We'll just say. I'm not saying ridiculous in a disrespectful way. I'm just simply stating that their style is very quick, very fast-paced. It's very hard to keep track of. You know, a real hardcore wrestling fan, he's going to be able to keep track of that stuff. But your average kid from Toledo, can, uh, from Toledo, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with that kind of shit. Okay? So that's that. Will we get a change of style? Well, like I said, history dictates that it wouldn't work, but history hasn't been, cha- hasn't been updated in quite a while. Like I told you, we haven't had competition since 2001. 17 years without competition 17 years of the wwe doing it their way 17 years of the wwe dictating how wrestling should be 17 years of us assuming that none of this stuff would work because it didn't work before when ecw got moved to its primary channel they were told a thousand times you cannot do that on tv you cannot do that on tv you cannot do that on tv WCW had to tone it down. WWE was eventually damn near almost censored to the point where they were almost taken off the air. They pushed the limits back then. So all they ever heard all the time is that won't work on the big stage. That won't work on television. Well, that hasn't been updated. It's been 17 years. Will that work today? I actually think it just might. It just might. Do you know why? Because of the same reason All In was a success. All In being a success proves one thing. That the niche audience that people once thought was too small to advocate to on on major television may not be that small at all. Thousands, thousands of people came to the rally 
The pep rally for AEW just yesterday. The merch sales are through the roof. Ticket sales for All In was gone in 26 minutes. The Madison Square Garden show with G1 was done in a similar time fashion. Folks, the wrestling niche is bigger than it's ever been. I know that we feel that it's different. Because the WWE tells us all the time, we're not catering to the hardcore fan. That's a minority. We want the majority. Well, the reason why your ratings are sinking, the reason why your storylines are not getting any traction, the reason why your superstars don't feel like superstars is because you've kept to your formula. And your formula hasn't kept to your audience. It's changing. The casual, the general, they'll watch for a little bit. They'll stay tuned for a smidge and then that'll be it and they'll be gone and they flip around it's not like back in the day when people would just let the channel rock you're watching three four five channels at once you're 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 skipping around you're dvring from what i understand the dvr doesn't affect the rating and that's all i ever watch i dvr all my shows i don't watch anything live I either watch it on a stream, or I watch it on YouTube, or I watch it on my DVR. I don't watch anything live. I've got shit to do. I don't have time to carve out to watch three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, main event, NXT on Wednesday, NXT UK, 205 Live. I don't have time for all that shit. A five-hour fucking pay-per-view on Sunday. I don't have time. So the way that they measure their success in and of itself is obsolete. AEW is the new kid on the block. AEW is going to be looking at things and measuring things differently. Differently. They're going to be up to date. They're going to be living in the here and the now. The WWE likes to think of itself as being progressive because they put hashtags on things and they put Twitter handles on on their uh, introductions when they when they wrestlers come to the ring and shit like that. That's not being up to date. That is not adhering to the audience that you want to adhere to. You're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You want the casual, but at the same time, you want to be seen as pop, as pop culture. You want to be seen as general, like a movie, like the movie companies or music companies. You're not. You're not. The E is for entertainment. But you know what? You've been sports entertainment for forever. So the change of style, will they have to change their style? You know what? If I'm Cody, if I'm the Young Bucks, I don't change a fucking thing. At least not yet. At least not yet. Because once you assault their senses with a Young Buck match, when you see a bunch of people, because there's going to be a lot of people watching AEW who have never even heard of the Young Bucks. I know it's hard to think of it that way, but that's how you have to think about it. There's going to be a whole new audience being exposed to your style of wrestling. To us, they've been around for a long time. We've seen every Young Buck match. We know what they're going to do before they do it. But for a lot of people who are going to be watching pro wrestling for the first time, that's not WWE, they have never seen the Young Bucks. They've never seen the kids from China. They've never seen Hegman Page. They've never, you know, they, they may have like a little familiarity with Jericho and maybe even Neville, but they don't. There's a lot of guys, Janela. Uh, uh, MJF, there's going to be a lot of guys on this show who have never been seen by the public audience, by the public eye. So this is going to be their chance to assault them and, 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 and give and force feed them that style and get them used to it. You might have to dumb it down a little later along the way just so you don't burn out and dull their senses. But yeah, coming at the gate with all this hype, 
and all this all this movement, you better believe Double or Nothing is going to be indie-rific. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be Canadian Destroyers. There's going to be shit done from the fucking top rope to the floor. It's going to be nuts. People are going to see all this wild and crazy shit, and they're going to bite all over it. Then you got to hook them. Something along the line. Once you give them all your athletic shit, then you give them your storyline shit. You start showcasing your characters. You go from there. You make the big splash. You show them what you can do. And then you dumb it down for a while. Only to bring it back up. A lot like NXT does. They give you those boring ass one hour shows. Just so you can get built up for the takeovers. NXT sucks. Their show is garbage. The NXT takeovers are great. And the reason why their takeovers are so great. Is because their indie show, their, their one hour shows are so garbage. They spend all of their one hour shows. Putting over their talent. That way when the talent collides. At the pay per view. It means more. Same deal here. Double or nothing, they're going to go fucking crazy and do a bunch of crazy shit. And then once they get back to their regular TV, you'll start to see it dumbed down a little bit. And that's fine. Dumb it down for the weekly shows. Blow it up for the pay-per-views. That's how wrestling has always worked. People got away from that. AEW, I think, will go back to that. Will they be competition for the WWE? Today? No. Tomorrow? Yeah, maybe. Good chance. Play their cards right. They've got the backing. WCW, when they first came out, they'd had the backing. And a lot of people were a little curious. A, little people, a couple of people were kind of apprehensive. But in the end, not for nothing. How many weeks was it? 80-something weeks in a row? Beating the WWE? It's very possible. Especially with so many people who love pro wrestling who are pretty much done and wipe their asses with Raw and SmackDown to the point where it doesn't really matter what Raw and SmackDown does at this point. They're just not getting those people back. There is a large percentage of people out there who are done with the WWE. Done. They've wiped their asses with it. Fuck it. I'm not dealing with that shit anymore. People don't just stop watching Raw and SmackDown. They have a fucking violent eruption. They go on Facebook and they write in all caps, Fuck this company. That's it. And then they toss their window, their, their laptop out the window at 16 stories to the ground and hope it shatters. They're done. They're done. There are people who still watch the product who are done. Impact is good, but it's hard to find. New Japan is good, but it's hard to find. Lucha Underground was good for a while. I think it's completely disappeared. There are no real threats. None. But WWE, WWE excuse me, but AEW could be the situation that we've been looking for. One more concern to bring up, and I'm going to bring this bitch home right here. Will the indies suffer? Will the indies suffer? No, it won't. Here's why. The indie... The indie scene is already, if you think about it, if you really think about it, and I know there's a lot of people here who love indie wrestling. I have been in indie wrestling for a while, but I can say this confidently. There are a lot of garbage wrestlers and a lot of garbage promotions in wrestling. A ton. A ton. Too many. I've said it on the show before. I wish I could get an Infinity Gauntlet and snap my finger and get rid of half of the motherfuckers that are in it. Because if you did that, you'd have a much better product for people to watch. Because there's a lot of garbage out there. Will the indie suffer from AEW? Absolutely not. AEW, first of all, may have a better working relationship with indie companies than the WWE ever wished it could. That's step one. 
is having a relationship with these indie companies, picking the right ones that, that develop and guide and, and train the best talent so that they could be a feeder system for you, almost like an NXT for AEW. That's first and foremost. You think Cody and the Young Bucks think for one second, uh, especially the Young Bucks, who were independent wrestling superstars, that they're going to get to the top of the mountain, they're going to get to AEW and start snubbing its nose at the Indies? That's not going to happen. The Indies is their biggest source and their biggest weapon against the WWE because they know everybody. So they bring in the best talent. You get Triple H calling you on the phone, you're apprehensive. You got Nick and Matt Jackson calling you on the phone, you may just jump on it just because the Young Bucks called you. They have an advantage there. There's no way they're going to turn their back on the Indies. As far as rating talent goes, as far as rating talent goes, AEW rating talent from the Indies, I support it. Get as many guys fucking signed and paid as you possibly can. You know who are concerned about the Indies drying up, who are concerned about the the Indies suffering? Promoters who cannot promote. Bookers who cannot book. Trainers who cannot train. And more importantly, and I want you guys to listen to this part, wrestlers who cannot wrestle. They're the ones who are worried about the indie suffering and the indies drying up. If you are a real wrestler and you work for a real promotion and you've been trained by a real trainer, you have zero concerns about AEW because a real promoter will look at this as an opportunity. AEW is going to take all of your good toys. You know what the positive to getting all of your good toys bought over and given to someone else. That gives you an opportunity to go to the store and buy new toys. It gives you the opportunity to scout talent, bring in new faces for your promotion, new faces for your territory, new faces for your audiences to see, freshens your product up. Instead of you relying on the same guy for the last 15 years, you can change it up, switch it up, bring in some new faces. Because promoters like to fucking put their saddle on people and ride those fuckers to death. Uh, indie, even indie promoters will sit here and have the same guy be champion for 18 million years because he's the guy that I trust. Instead of paying real talent to come in, they'd rather just bust their budget on one or two guys and then get as many freeloaders and free guys in their show as possible. We'll give them seven matches of bullshit just so they can come to see the one match they paid to see and the one match would be eh. A real promoter will promote his promotion regardless of what AEW, regardless of what WWE, regardless of Ring of Honor, regardless of Impact, regardless of Lucha Underground, regardless of AAA, regardless of ICW, regardless of Progress, regardless of OWE, regardless of New Japan, Dragon Gate, I can go on and on and on. Regardless of what any of those fucking companies do, if you cannot find the talent to push and promote on your company, you're not a promoter. You're not a booker. You're not a trainer. You're not a wrestler. You, don't, you should not be seeing this as an issue. You should be seeing this as an opportunity. And if you're a fan who feels this way and your favorite promoter is not reassuring you on his social media that everything is going to be just fine, this gives us an opportunity to bring in some new guys for you guys to see. He's a shit promoter. Period. End of conversation. Yeah, I work for promoters even still to this day. Yeah, when my school is over, I plan on going back to the indies. Yeah, I've got zero problem saying what the fuck I just said. Because it's the fucking truth. Real promoters, real people who care about their job and love the industry and love this business will find a way to make this business great. 
They will not sit around and wait for the talent to come to them. They will go out and they will get aggressive and they will fucking find the guys. If you can't find the guys, then you will make the guys. If you cannot make the guys, at least train some guys with some fucking potential and see where they wind up. There are methods to the madness. You can figure this out. It ain't hard. If you know what you're doing and you've got the passion to fucking do it. If you're going to sit here and use AEW as a fucking excuse why you can't pack an eight-match card for your own fucking promotion, you don't know what you're doing. So back away. Give the money back for the ring rental. Take your ass back to the other side of the guardrail and enjoy the show. No one, no promoter worth his fucking salt should be concerned about anything. And I know I said that was the last one, but I've, I, j- I just read my notes here. I've got one more point to make, and I think this is one that all of you can take to the bank here. Okay, I'm going to be right. I'm on a roll right now. I'm rolling right now. I understand that. But here, here's one piece that I'm telling you right now if you have any concerns at all about AEW. Any concerns. Any concerns. I want you to take this, this piece of knowledge with you and, and, and take it with you to comfort you. I was nervous after All In. I was nervous when AEW was announced. I was nervous when they said they had a press conference coming. I was nervous for 45 minutes of that conference. Because to be honest with you, I didn't hear anything that made me feel secure that this was going to be a great idea. They announced some friends. They announced some matches for Double or Nothing. They did a lot of cool shit. But none of it, none of it made me sit here and say, all right, well, this is going to be a success until Chris Jericho came out. When Chris Jericho came through that curtain and made the claim, I am Chris Jericho and I am all in on all elite wrestling. When he said those words, it was almost like the stress in my body went away. It alleviated from me. It was like a spirit that just, an evil spirit, a a wraith that just went away from me and came out and just dissipated over the sky and just vanished into thin air. I felt great. As soon as I saw Chris motherfucking Jericho, I said to myself, yes, they've got a clear fucking chance. And before you can sit here and say why, they're going to make him the focal point, that would be dumb. He's in his 40s. He's an older guy. They should be focusing on the young talent. That's not what I mean. For you old heads, you'll know where I'm coming from with this because we've seen this episode before. We've seen this happen before. And if it follows this formula, I think Chris Jericho being in AEW was going to be amazing. And the formula is Terry Funk. You guys remember Terry Funk? You remember what he did for ECW? When ECW was that young up-and-coming promotion, and they had all all this talent that nobody really knew, and nobody really understood And then they brought in a guy like Terry. And Terry was a well-known performer, respected throughout the world. And here he was having fistfights, blood matches, having just carnage with a bunch of unknowns. And by the end of it, those unknowns would eventually become some of our favorite superstars of all time. He won some matches. He lost some matches. But simply being in the ring with a professional and a veteran like that did wonders. Here's the difference between Jericho and Terry. Terry did it way late in his career. And he wasn't the wrestler he was before. And he wasn't the wrestler he needed to be for them. 
but he still managed to get the job done. Chris Jericho is in his 40s, and you can make the argument right now he's having the best matches of his life right now. He's not in his prime, but he's clearly got a lot of juice left. And if you're looking for the perfect player coach, if you're looking for the one guy who can take a Hangman Page or an MJF or a Joey Janela and sit them down and take their fucking asses to the learning tree, this would be the guy to do it. Now, Cody and the Young Bucks are current performers, top of the game. It'd be very easy for Cody and the Young Bucks to sit down with a guy too, but they can't sit down with anybody because they're the bosses. You get what I'm saying? They are the vice president of this company. And yeah, they're performers, but their plate is fucking full. Full plate. Full plate. They don't have time to sit here and micromanage. They don't have time to sit here and pat guys on the back. They don't have time to sit here and placate the egos and try to keep guys motivated. And come on, guys, AEW, right? We're going to go against the empire here. We're the revolution. We're going against the evil empire. We can do it. They don't have time for that. They have a business to run. Chris Jericho does not have a title. All his title is is wrestler. He's one of the boys. So you want to talk about having an undertaker in that locker room? Six times the world's champion, intercontinental champion a thousand times over for two different promotions. He's He's been a success of WWE, WCW, ECW, over in Europe, in Japan, in Mexico. If you put him in Antarctica for six months, he'd go in the Antarctic Hall of Fame. He's Chris motherfucking Jericho. He will teach these kids to be stars. And then he will build them as stars. He's not some coach that's going to sit around and pat them on the back and tell them what kind of a good job they're doing. They're going to get in the ring, and they're going to spit blood, and they're going to spill tears, and they're going to waste all kinds of sweat on that canvas. That's what he's going to do. They're going to learn hands-on with the man himself. He's going to take motherfuckers to school, and he's going to put on great matches and great shows in between. He is the key to all of this. And I know that people were expecting a big reveal toward the end. They were expecting Kenny, for Kenny to come out and make his decision, WWE or, or, or AEW. And for the record, I think Kenny should go to the WWE. I think he would be better served for AEW if he went to the WWE. I think it's flopped. I think Kenny, now more than ever, I thought about it before the Jericho thing, but now that Jericho is in... AEW, oh, even even better. Kenny would come to AEW and he would just monopolize everything. Everything would be focused and wrapped around him, and it should be. He's one of the best in the world. But I think when you're starting a promotion like this, so young, who would Kenny, who would Kenny feud with in AEW? You take Jericho out. Take Jericho out. Who are the names on that list where you see Kenny Omega's name in bright lights? Main event on the marquee. Against who? He'd have great matches with everybody. He'd have great matches with Paige. He'd have great matches with Neville. He'd have great matches with a lot of these guys. But they're not marquee. Kenny became marquee because he he faced Okada, Tanahashi. He faced the greats. He, he faced the big names in the business. He was built as a marquee guy. He goes into the WWE. He's got marquee guy after marquee guy. There's a million matches you could put him in where he makes his money. Let Kenny go to the WWE to make his money. You build AEW, and you basically create a whole roster of guys to feud with Kenny. 
They give it two or three years. Kenny gets paid. He leaves. He comes to AEW. And now he's got a whole roster full of superstars. Superstars he can feud with and make money with. Now you've got dream matches. You've got pay-per-views. You've got million-dollar buys. You've got opportunity. Let Chris Jericho do the heavy lifting. Let Jericho build the roster. Build the stars. Kenny can fight him later. And make real money with him. New Japan money. New Japan marquee attention here in the States. Dream matches. There will be dream matches left and right. All these new superstars they'll be bringing in. This is an amazing opportunity. You can probably hear it the sound of my voice. I am super excited about this now. Chris Jericho changed all that. I wasn't that excited. I was nervous for most of this. But now, now they've got a ringer. They have a man from the inside, a man who's Worked under the wing of Vince McMahon himself. This is going to be a winner. And I can't wait. I'm excited. This is going to be a wonderful time. AEW. I just named a whole bunch of promotions right now that we're talking about. All right. And I actually named a, a bunch of. Uh, 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 no, I didn't name a bunch of promotions now. I mean, with, T with you know, no TNA, but, you know, WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, even PWG to a degree is still doing your thing way across. India. We've got indie companies popping up left and right trying to do big business pwg over in california we've got some places out in texas minnesota is becoming a hotbed i know i can obviously speak in new york house of glory over here doing anything but we've got big promotions up in maine got big promo like a thousand promotions stepping up down in florida not named nxt because wrestling is picking up as a whole that's one of the great things about the competition with wwe monopolizing everything there's only but so many spots not with aew there to pay guys and takes up that takes up spots, but that frees up Lucha Underground spots. It frees up Impact spots. It frees up PWG. It frees up Pastor Glory. If you, it frees up spots and it brings another fresh set of guys in and gals, which is another thing because now the women's revolution has kicked everything in the fucking high gear. There are not as many guy spots anymore as there used to be. The women have taken over. They've got their own spots now. Some of them are getting their own promotions now. With Stardom over there and 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 Shine and and. Shimmer, I'm gonna say shimmer and shine. Oh man, my fucking kid has destroyed my fucking brain. Anywho, you get my point here. There's a lot of fucking opportunity here. Nothing is suffering. If anything, the only thing suffering are our wallets, because we don't have enough money to pay for all this shit. It's becoming an expensive habit. But that's what it is, man. That's AEW in a nutshell for me. I hope you guys caught all that and uh, didn't bombard you guys with all that shit but i had a lot of fucking shit to say about that stuff one more thing here before we go and this is at the end of it i swear to you right here i have to pay a little homage and uh throw a little shout out there uh mean gene oakland passed away this week now he passed away wednesday i already had an episode loaded up so i wasn't able to talk about it but he did pass away uh as a former announcer former interviewer former commentator i mean i've done every job in the business there is to do as a former member of that fraternity, to lose a guy like Mean Gene is huge. I, I did have the pleasure of meeting him very briefly, handshake deal. Uh, we worked a show together, but as I said before, there's a difference between working a show together and working with someone. And I never got a chance to work with him. I, I just merely had the chance to uh, to meet him and ex exchange pleasantries, and he was a nice gentleman to me. And um, obviously a heavy influence on my career when I began, uh, when you first get a job like that interviewer or commentator or whatever, you, you do your research, you look around and try to get different ideas and how you want to sound and how you want to do things. And obviously mean jeans, one of the first guys 
you come across, and uh, you know his his shtick with Hogan and with Flair. Uh, it was a, a heavy a heavy influence on me. I remember very briefly uh, um, during the whole early stages of the Goat thing, which you guys know that I'm a former manager of the Goat and Chris Cage, Whiplash, Rays, Ivy, and, uh, and Jael, which I haven't had on the show yet. I'm looking forward to having on here. Uh, Cage wanted to do that. That was one of the things that I had with Cage. Cage, there's a promo. If I can find it, I'll put it up. But um, there's a promo where he pretty much treats me like his mean Gene Oakland. He used to do all this thing, uh, Brother O and all that stuff. That's where the O stuff started, actually. It was Cage doing all these mean Gene Oakland stuff. And that's the origination of, like, the House of O and, you know, the Squad of O and all that stuff. And it was, yeah, technically speaking, it was Cage. And I have Cage coming over the house very soon. We have, like, a little thing we're going to be doing soon for the show. And I'll bring that up and see what he says. But, uh, but yeah, so Mean Gene was a big influence here on me. Uh, he was a, He was a big deal. He was a big deal. I was a fan of his work, obviously, and respected him greatly. Um, I know people were up in arms about the fact that Hogan was the one that um, got a chance to say something. Look, I'm not going to sit here and rant about the whole Hogan thing. You're free to feel however you want. He did something stupid. He said something stupid, and he should be held accountable. And if you're not ready to forgive him, if you never plan on forgiving him ever, that's completely up to you. I can't. I can't criticize literally anybody for that. That that's it's your own personal choice. So there's no need for a rant. Um, me personally, I don't like the things that he said. I don't support the things that he said. But you know, even though people are correct, he never really did fully apologize for his comments. He apologized for getting caught. He didn't really apologize for his actions. Um, I, I'm not gonna hold his feet to that forever you know you would need continuous behavior for me to do that uh which he has not shown the ability to do he doesn't really have continuous behavior so i don't know we will see if they've accepted him amongst the locker room then whatever it may be against their will who knows maybe they don't want to support him and they're being forced to because it's wwe but me myself uh i'm not really separating the man from the actions i'm just i'm not i'm not overly just down about it. I didn't really care either or, to be honest with you, whether Hogan was out there or not. Because to me, it was about Mean Gene. And uh, rest in peace, brother. And what we're going to do here as we sign off, um, I usually hit you guys with the big line. Thank you for downloading and all that stuff. But as is tradition here on Orsini's Uncensored Mind, we have a fallen brother. We have a, not fallen, <laughs> We've, we lost a brother. And um, we will give him the the due that he has deserved. So I will play my uh, my end credit, and then we will end it with the uh, with the ten bell salute. So I will play my son, and then we will do the ten bell salute. So thank you guys for listening to episode seventy. Hey, my house. Listen to my daddy's soul. Listen to the